Good morning, Faith Community Church. It is amen, amen. It is good to see you uh, this morning. Uh, whether you are ready for it or not, it was 30-something degrees uh, this morning. I was not ready for that at all. I was just growing uh, to the idea of fall, and all of a sudden it feels a little bit like winter, too much like winter, and uh, I do not like that. And I, we will pray for just a little bit more of some warm weather uh, coming in the next days, and we'll see if the Lord hears uh, that prayer. Uh, I do want to mention to you that right now we are accepting nominations for our Church and Pastors Council. We do this every two years. There's a, a rotation there. So uh, if you know of someone that you think uh, would be a good fit for this uh, council that uh, helps advise Pastor Sam and I on leading our church, uh, then you can find information about that in the bulletin or on the Church Center app. Uh, there's the qualifications there and, and your opportunity to nominate those people. Uh, we do not vote uh, on that. Uh, we take all of those that are willing to serve and that are qualified as nominees and uh, we draw the names out uh, on that. That uh, keeps us from having any kind of popularity or anything like that being uh, dictating that. And we believe, as the Scripture says, that the, the Lord is in control of the lot. And uh, so if the, these folks are... are um, meet the qualifications and are willing to serve, then they have the opportunity to serve. So if you feel like you have somebody uh, in mind, then uh, be sure to uh, nominate those, uh, those folks today. I uh, also want to thank everyone. Uh, how many of you came to the Fall Festival? Did you have a good time at the Fall Festival? Yes? Thank you so much for being at the Fall Festival and for all of you who contributed uh, and helped to work in games and doing all those kind of things. I think it was a really fun night. Uh, the weather didn't exactly cooperate uh, with us, but it was still a really fun night. And at the auction, uh, many of you brought uh, items and, and we, we auctioned those off, raising money for a hospice house, which I think is a very worthy uh, cause if you've ever been there. Uh, it is something that's a great help to families in need. And we raised $3,335 uh, at the auction. Um, so excited to make that donation to uh, Hospice House, and I really appreciate all the work and effort that went into that. So this morning, we're beginning a new series. Here we are in part one. Uh, it is already October 8th, and, uh, and, and if you don't believe it, just uh, check outside. It's, uh, it's cold like it's October 8th, right, uh, as time passes us by. We do feel the weight of these seasons as they come and as they go, and, and as you get older, it gets faster and faster and faster, and the next thing you know. Uh, so cool thing about being a little older is you don't panic too much because you know, hey, if you don't like it, it's just going to be a minute or two, and uh, it'll, it'll be gone, uh, you you know, all the teenagers in the, in the place are like, no, it lasts forever. I'm dying. And, uh, but it really doesn't. But I want to share with you as we begin this series, uh, Take Hold uh, of Eternal Life, I want to share with you an illustration that has meant a lot to me. And we've got this rope here, and I want you to pretend along with me this morning because you see the rope goes out the back here and, and uh, goes out the back door of the church, actually, and goes all the way down the road, gets out here on Gray Flats Road, and it goes out, and the rope turns left next to Crooks Brothers and gets on the bypass. It takes the bypass down and uh, takes the exit to the interstate and starts heading to Charlotte. As it gets to Charlotte, it passes on through Charlotte and gets to Wilmington. And if you know, if you keep going, you get to Wilmington there, and uh, you're on the coast. The rope keeps going past Wilmington and uh, goes through the Atlantic Ocean uh, into till it gets to North Africa. In North Africa, it gets to uh, Morocco and Algeria and Libya and Egypt and Saudi Arabia. By now, this rope's about 7,500 miles long. But in Saudi Arabia, it just starts heading up and goes up and it goes past the moon. And it goes past Mars and, and uh, whatever's after Mars. I think it's Saturn, right? It goes past Jupiter. It goes past Uranus. It's always a crowd favorite. And uh, 
goes past Neptune, and by the time it goes past Neptune, this rope is about uh, 2.793 billion miles long. Can you feel me on Neptune out there? And as we get to Neptune, you just look and the rope keeps on going out past the galaxies and into the other galaxies. And here we are with the end of the rope. And here we are thinking about our lives and our existence. And our existence in this rope is designed to uh, simulate or, or, or be an analogy for our existence. You are an eternal being. This rope extending out into space and, and billions of miles can't even exactly give us the picture of how long you are going to be in existence, how long you are going to be and if we, if we take this little red section down here on the end of the rope, this represents your life and my life here on earth. Our 60, 70, 80, 90 years here is this little red section on the end of this rope that extends out past Neptune and into galaxies and extends on forever and ever. And I meant to bring a red marker. Uh, hopefully I'll remember that for second service because I was going to add a little red dot here and say, oh, uh, that, I forgot about that kale salad that you ate. And so I'm going to add a little red dot here on the end. Uh, now this represents your lifespan, uh, right, and how long you're going to live here on earth. And it's so tempting for us to forget that this rope exists. You know, sometimes we think about it on a Sunday morning, right? But typically as we make our way through life, we have a tendency to focus only on this part. We tend to only think about this little red part. And I can't help but think, and in fact, this whole series is about the fact that I think God looks down on us. And he sees us so focused on this red part. After he's continually tried to remind us about the rest of the rope, he sees us continually focused on this part. And I think it's probably a little frustrating for him. I mean, I, I'm a dad, so I think it's probably a little frustrating for him that he continues to tell us that you're an eternal being and that life is and your existence is so much more. And yet we continue to day by day focus on this little section and whether we're happy here and whether we're working everything out here and everything's going our way here in this little section. And so this series is about the fact that there is a longer rope extending out of your life, you are an eternal being. And the Apostle Paul speaks to his uh, protege, Timothy, and he says these words to him. He says this in, in uh, t- 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11 through 12. He says this, but you, man of God. Now he's writing specifically to Timothy, so he says man of God, but we know it's the scripture and it applies to all of us. You, man or woman of God. Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. That that verse, that part should get us especially excited here, right? Fight the good fight of faith. Woo, I'm feeling it. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. When you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so that gives us this phrase that we're centering in on over these next couple of weeks, and that is take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life 
to which you were called. It's not just about this little section. It's about so much more than that. And we don't fully comprehend it. We can't understand it. We can't understand the distance between here and Neptune. We can't understand 2.7 billion miles. It doesn't even register for us. And God says, I understand that this amount of time doesn't register for you, but you have to trust me. You have to follow me. You have to be willing to say, I don't believe it's only just that red little bit there that I have to focus on. But instead, I take hold of the eternal life. And Jesus is the one who teaches us and shows us, how do I do this? I can't fully conceptualize this, so how do I do it? I follow Jesus. I follow the eternal one. And so I want us to look then in Luke chapter 14, as Jesus is at a meal and chooses to talk about a meal, and, uh, and, and we're going to dive into that. But I want us to read these few verses from Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through, in my notes it says 12 through 27, because I was going to read all of it, but I'm not. I'm just going to read through 14. Um, oh, it's so, guys, every, every week I sit down and I just want to read you the whole Bible. I just want to stand up here. I'm just like, it's so beautiful. It's so amazing. It's so life-giving. It's cleansing. You know that the scriptures tell us that it will cleanse us as we read the Bible. It will cleanse others. In fact, uh, Peter says, uh, maybe it's Peter. I can't remember. This isn't in my notes. I think it's Peter. He says that the word of God will cleanse husbands. The word of God, use it to cleanse your wife. Like I can read the scriptures over her, I can speak the scriptures over her, and it cleans her. I don't fully understand that either, but I know that it's the beauty of the word of God. And i I got to get back on track here, but man, I just love the scriptures. And if you don't love the scriptures, I think you need to figure out the, the obstacles to reading them and understanding them. And it can help you to get in. And that's where the Sunday school classes and discovery classes and small groups and all that really helps. We get an understanding of the scriptures and we read it and it gives us life. Amen? Okay, sorry about all that. But, uh, thank you. Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 12. It says, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice in who you are. You are the eternal one. God, you are eternity past and present and eternity future. And it's God, you know, it's beyond our comprehension fully who you are. But Lord, you, in all of your might and splendor, love us. And you've created us. And Lord, we desire to honor you with our lives and and, and our existence. And, And so, Lord, we pray that you would lead us. God, I pray that you would take the words you put in my heart and help me to deliver them in a way that can strengthen and encourage your people. God, use me today. God, speak to us today. We rejoice in who you are and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I love people and I love food. So when Jesus starts talking about these meals, it's just like right up my alley, right? It's like I love, it's like if you want to talk about being with people and eating, I'm like, yes, I'm there. Imagine like no time constraints, no agenda. You're just there with people you love and you're eating and it's like fellowship. You know, I don't know where it is in your house, but, you know, around the kitchen or whatever and people start sharing. And I love it, man. When we have small groups in our house, I love when people come in and they just start snacking and eating and I just step back and listen to the conversation. 
I just like, not the specific conversations, but just the sound of talking. I just love it so much. I just love people and I love food. Now, I know there are a lot of people in my life, and I know there's people around us that don't like necessarily love people. Like, I'm a people person, and there's people that don't love people. I mean, it's not like they don't love people, but they're just not energized by being around people, right? It's like I leave a group of people, and I'm energized, and some people leave a group of people, and they're like, oh, I need some alone time. I've got to recover, right? I've got to, and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to stay up till 2 a.m., man, because I just love all the, all, all those people. And there's some people that don't like to eat, and I cannot fathom this, but they're like, I, I've got to, I don't like the picking the restaurant. I don't like the cooking. I don't like all the things that go around. I wish we just didn't have to eat, and I don't get it, okay? But they exist in the world, And the cool thing, I think one of the coolest things about Jesus is that in Jesus you find that he has all of the different personalities and all of the different uh, approaches. You see them present in his life as he's going around and and doing different things. You see all the different aspects of his life. You know, you think about was Jesus a people person? Well, you know what? He chose 12 guys to go with him and be with him for three years. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus could have done it alone? And, like, how that would have been kind of cool. Like, he kind of shows up out of the desert, you know, like, springs up, like, does miracles, and then just goes back, and nobody knows kind of who he is. It's not the approach he took, though, right? I mean, he had 12 uh, people, the 12 disciples that followed him. Out of those 12, he chose three to be his close friends. Do you know how hard it is to have a friend as an adult? I mean, can I get an amen, right? I mean, it's hard, isn't it? It's like, uh, I'm busy, I don't know, you're weird, and... Uh, You know, and it's just like, I don't know. It's just so hard to have. But he had three close friends, right? And there were like these 70 people that followed him around pretty much all the time, right? I love that passage in Luke. And and they're like, uh, you know, do we need a sword, Lord? And and the, the scriptures read in such a way that all 70 of them drew two swords, and it's just like, do we need a sword? And he's like, uh, you're fine. Don't, don't worry about it, right? There's like 70 people around him. But do you know that, the, that Jesus often, he would say, you know what? I've had enough of the people, and I'm just going to go for a hike by myself. You guys stay here. You guys cross over on that boat. He gave him something to do. He was smart, right? And he was like, get on that boat and cross over so that you don't, so you're distracted and you'll leave me alone. And he would go off and he would hike. And, and I'm a people person, and I struggle to be alone for hours and hours and hours, right? I'm always thinking about when I can see somebody. So, like, the go on a hike thing, in fact, I've told Michelle, if I ever tell you I need alone time, you need to watch out, right? Because I am in a bad place mentally if I say I need alone time. But Jesus, he needed alone time. He, he's surrounded by people sometimes. He needed alone time sometimes, Right? And, and we see that dynamic in him. It's like there's both. And so if you're a people person, you can see that in Jesus. If you like to be alone sometimes, if, if, if you really energize alone, you can see that in Jesus. You know, sometimes Jesus was aggressive. You know, there's like some of us are more aggressive and some of us are more passive. Well, you know what? Sometimes Jesus was really aggressive. In fact, the classic example of Jesus being aggressive is when he was in the temple courts and he flipped over the tables. And I don't know if you've seen this. This this made me laugh, so I'm sharing it with you. And you say, why? That's why. Um, They told AI, they said, give us a picture of Jesus flipping over the tables in the temple. I don't know if you've seen this one, uh, right? So AI hasn't quite got it all figured out yet. So that is Jesus flipping over the tables in the temple, right? And uh, so if you're really worried about AI, just you got a few more years before you have to 
before you have to really worry about it. But, you know, sometimes Jesus was aggressive, right? I mean, he goes in, he sees those money changers cheating people in the temple, and he flips over the tables, right? Some of you cannot imagine ever doing that. You would go and you would talk to them and you would be like, if you guys could stop, right? And there's others of you that are like, yeah, righteous anger. And I'm just, I'll flip those tables over, right? I mean, Jesus is a little aggressive sometimes. There's this one Canaanite woman who comes to Jesus and says, will you heal my daughter? And Jesus calls her a dog. Jesus literally, Matthew 15, if you don't believe me, and he goes and he's like, listen, why would I give the, you know, the children's bread to a dog? Dog like you, right? And uh, I mean, to me, that's a little aggressive. I, I, I would find myself more in the aggressive camp, but I, don't, I haven't called anybody a dog, right? And Jesus is just a little aggressive sometimes, and we see it, and it's okay. And I've got notes here on Neptune, and I've got to get to Jesus. Where are you at, Jesus? <laughs> and you think about, like, think about 15,000 people standing in a field, and you got to tell, and he tells them all to sit down without a microphone. Like, I mean, how aggressive do you have to be, right? It's like, you know, you guys sit down in 50s and 100s now, right? I mean, you know, you, I, fall festival the other night, I was trying to tell you guys to do stuff because we were getting ready to start. You wouldn't listen to me. I had a microphone. You're like, I am getting this funnel cake. I don't care what you say. And yet he had 15,000 people, and he's like telling them, he tells them to sit down and shut up, and they do it. I mean, that takes a little bit of aggression, Right? And he's always bossing the disciples around. He's like, hey, uh, go prepare that room for us to have a meal. Go get that guy's donkey. Go steal that kid's lunch. Right? I mean, he's, he's bossing around. He's, he's aggressive sometimes. But also we see in Jesus there's, there's passive times. We see Jesus when he's, he's sitting quietly at night and Nicodemus the Pharisee comes and talks to him. And it's not a big crowd and it's not this big setting. It's just a, this, a one-on-one. And he's just, and there's this back and forth in John chapter 3, and it's just so beautiful. And then in John chapter 4, and I don't think it's coincidence that these are in John because John was a little bit more laid back, right? And in John chapter 4, we see Jesus, and he meets the woman at the well. But do you remember the context of that? Jesus was so was tired, and he was resting while the disciples went to town to get sandwiches. And they were going to come back. And Jesus is just chilling there by the well, right? And this lady comes, and he says, hey, can I have some water? And, of course, she's all got an attitude, and so it triggers Jesus a little bit, right? You know, and he, sorry, I read it. That's how I read it, okay? Um, and, and you read that in John chapter 4, but you see those passive times. You see when, when Lazarus dies, and he comes into town, and he sees Mary weeping. And he's, he knows what he's going to do, right? He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and it's like, but he sees her weeping, and he weeps along with her. And, and you see that, you know, I mean, I know if I was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, I would have walked in there like, you know? Quit your crying, girl. Watch this. But what does he do? I mean, he comes into that situation and he weeps along with her. And we see this Jesus who is a people person and yet uh, takes energy from being alone as well. We see this Jesus who is aggressive, but he's also passive when the situation calls to it. And I think that this is intentional. I think this is Jesus' way of living out for us and showing us that whoever you are and however you're made and, and, and whatever approach you take to life, that Jesus says, you can find that in me. I am your example. I will show you how to lead. I will show you how to be who God created you to be. You know, if you're not a very bold person, then look at how Jesus was compassionate. If you're not a very compassionate and caring person, 
right? It's okay. There are times when Jesus flipped over the tables and Jesus told people what to do. But if you, whoever you are, we submit to Christ. If you're a people person, great. You can see that in Jesus. You can be a people person like Jesus was. If you're a, more of an alone person and you get energy from being alone, great. You can see that in Jesus. Sometimes he withdrew. Sometimes he was up on the mountain to pray. Sometimes he pulled away from people. Whoever you are, however you're made, Jesus is our example and you can see yourself in him. And that is so important because we have so many excuses for not valuing the people around us. And yet Jesus says there's no excuse for that. Because you see, in all of those differences, Jesus always communicated how much he valued people. In all of those differences. As different as Jesus was, you know, I mean, he, he was a people person alone. He was uh, aggressive. He was passive. He was all those things. But in all of those ways, he communicated his value for the people around him. And as we think about eternal life and we think about taking hold of eternal life, the core idea for Jesus is the value of the people around us. And so he speaks to us here about this at this meal. And I think Luke chapter 17 is, is, is a beautiful chapter. You should read it. I almost read the whole thing to you this morning, uh, but I'm going to trust you to read it on your own. But Luke 17, you see at the beginning of it, Jesus is invited to a prominent Pharisee's house, and they're having a meal. And then Jesus starts talking about how to invite people to a meal. And like this Pharisee guy, just he didn't follow any of Jesus' rules, right? And yet everybody's listening to Jesus. Jesus has the center of attention, and he starts talking about how his host didn't do it right when he invited everybody. I love Jesus so much. He's not scared. And, and the grace of Jesus is this. When you think you've got it all figured out and you're going the wrong way, he'll tell you. Isn't that grace? Like you, you, think it's, you think it's not, you think it's criticism and you think, oh God, you're being hard with me and you, and you respond negatively when people in your life give you criticism. Criticism is a gift if it's given in a godly way. And Jesus comes and he begins to tell stories and he's saying to his host and to everyone that's listening, this is how we ought to act. And so he tells a story, he's at a banquet and he tells three banquet stories. And the story before our story is so practical. It's, it's a story about going to a wedding. And you're an you're a invited guest to a wedding. And he says, when you walk into the wedding, don't immediately go up and sit at the head table. Right? Like if you're, if you're invited to a wedding, don't go up and sit next to the groom like when it comes to the reception time. Right? Because probably somebody's going to come and be like, bruh, this seat is reserved for somebody else more important than you. And then you're going to have to get up and you're going to be embarrassed in front of everybody else. And you're going to have to go back to the back. Super practical advice. Jesus says when you walk into that setting, go in and sit in the very back. Sit on the periphery. And then somebody might come up to you and they might say, hey, no, man, come on. We, you're, you're so important here. Come up and sit next to the groom. Sit next to the bride. Right? But if you just walk up there and assume, then you might get embarrassed. But if you just are humble... As you walk in, and Jesus speaks to the heart. Can you imagine the heart of the person who would just walk in and just sit next to the groom, right? I mean, you know, you would get back and you would be like, can you believe him? Can you believe what they did? But Jesus is saying, look, do you have that heart? And he begins by saying, look, you have to have a heart of being humble, right? Then the story after our story, Jesus tells the story of another banquet, and that is the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he says that the Jewish people, they RSVP'd to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And now Jesus has come to tell them it's time to eat. 
and they're coming up with excuses they don't want to serve. It's a, another powerful story. I wanted to read it to you, but I'm going to trust you to read it on your own. But then in our story, Jesus says, listen, I want to tell you about an everyday meal. You know, after church today, you're probably going to eat a meal. You might eat two today, right? How many meals? How many meals? All of, almost all of us eat every day, right? And he talks to them about an everyday meal. And he says, listen, when you have your everyday meal, what is your tendency? You know, you kids that are in school, you know your tendency is to go into the lunchroom and to find your people, right? And if you can't find your people, you would usually rather eat alone. And as adults, I said, it's hard to have friendships. What do we do? We find our people. And if we can't find our people, then we eat alone. And Jesus, remember, he's talking to us not just about a meal, but he's talking to us about everyday life. And he says, listen, when you approach everyday life and you approach this meal, instead of pulling off, instead of doing this alone, instead of just being concerned about the people that you know and that you know are going to like you, remember there's other people that are powerless, other people that, that don't uh, have anybody, that aren't connected, and you need to connect them. You need to recognize the value in them. Instead of choosing all the things that you know and the people that you know, he says, I'll read it for you again, Luke 14, 13, he says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you say, wait a minute, is Jesus defining people by those characteristics? He's not defining them by their characteristics. He's talking about people who are powerless. You remember he's speaking in this first century culture. Um, Jewish people valued life, but in most cultures around Judaism, if a child was born disabled, it was killed. In most uh, um, cultures around Judaism, if someone was poor, they were property of the king, and the king could do with them whatever he wanted to do. Judaism was a little different in that they, they valued a human life. And so Jesus is not talking about these people, identifying them by their, by their disability or identifying them by their socioeconomic status. What he's saying is identifying them as powerless. They can do nothing for you. There were no systems to help them. There were no systems to support them. These people often had, no, they almost, they always, they had nothing. They, uh, their only life was to beg. And he says, these people that are powerless, you need to realize that these people have value beyond this life. You see, if I'm choosing people and I'm evaluating people, and this is what we do all the time, we evaluate people based on how they fit into this little red piece of our existence. And we say, well, this person could do something for me. This person makes me happy. This person is, is this. And yet, Jesus says, no, you, when you see these people, you need to evaluate them in a different way. You need to recognize that they are eternal beings, that what you're seeing, yes, they might be poor in this life, but in the life to come, who are they going to be if they're obedient to the Lord, even in their poverty? You might see somebody that's powerless in this life, but if they're obedient to the Lord in this life, in this little section, who are they going to be in the next and he invites us in and says, listen, do you care about those people that can do nothing for you in your little red section? Are you just evaluating all of them based on your little red section? Jesus wants us to know that evangelism begins with simply recognizing this reality in our everyday interactions. I, I, I've got three volunteers, and I, if my three volunteers could could come up 
uh, this morning, and as they, as they quickly transition up here this morning, we see that Jesus is calling us to, to, to care about the people around us in our everyday interactions. And you see why I began by talking about the fact that some people are people people and some people are not people people and some people are aggressive and some people are passive because you see, Jesus wants each and every one of us, whoever we are, to recognize the value of the people in our lives. When I'm walking through the grocery store and I'm passing these people and I look at this guy and, and I'm just like, man, I, can't, I, I hope he gets out of the way. I wish he would move. Uh, he's, he's, I'm trying to buy these chips on the, on the rack and this guy's standing here and I'm looking and I need chips. He's in the way. And I don't realize there's so much more to him right here in this moment. And I'm, and I'm walking through school and, and, and I see this, this, this girl and she's, she's obviously a loser and unpopular. And, and, and I see, she, she can't, what, what are people gonna think about me if I talk to her? What, what are people, if I interact with her? I mean, look at her. And I mean, I'm forgetting. I I walk into my house and and I walk into my house and I'm I'm interacting with my kids and I'm interacting with my spouse and I'm interacting with the people that I love. And this is not my Kate, but this is a good Kate. And and, and she's even my daughter and I'm looking at her. You got to hold it, it's yours. And, And I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking, oh, I, I want her to, to, to be this way and to do this, and I want all of these things, and how's that going to make me look as a parent? And I'm not factoring in that there's so much more going on. There's so much more going on. Have, have, have we thought about, we think about evangelism as I've got to go, and I've got to grab somebody, and I've got to shake them, and I've got to say, there's more to your rope, brother. Turn or burn. But what about evangelism as kindness? What about evangelism as as coming and saying, you know what, I recognize that there's so much more to you and I'm gonna treat you like that. I'm gonna value, What, what about like evangelism as good manners? Like being polite and caring for people, recognizing you might be in my way, you might not be doing exactly what I want you to do, but there's so much more to you I'm just going to treat you with value and just treat you with respect. What about evangelism just as connecting to others? Do you know there are people, listen to me, there are people sitting next to you right now in the seats in these rows, and in just a few months from now, they're not going to be coming to church anymore. And the reason, and I've, I've been around so I can make these bold statements, and the reason is because we don't view evangelism as simple as just connecting to the people that are sitting around you. I think, I've got to go to some far off country to evangelize. No, you don't. There's somebody sitting right next to you right now who is not connected to any kind of community and any kind of place. And all I've got to do is turn to my left and turn to my right and say, they are so much more than this. There are eternal beings surrounding you right now who are not connected. Say evangelism, oh, it's so hard. And Jesus says, no, it's everyday life. Will I 
Well, I see every person that I see and I encounter, I recognize there's a little red section and that's all I'm seeing, but there's so much more behind it. Is my time, energy, and attention, is my time, energy, and attention consumed in the small red section? Is my time and energy and you're in my way and you're a loser and you aren't making me look good is my, is my time and energy and attention consumed with the little red parts? In my daily interactions with the people, with people, am I mindful of the eternal rope that is attached to each of them? In my daily interactions, am I mindful of this eternal rope? As I walk through my house, am I mindful of the eternal rope? It is attached to my wife and to my children. As I walk in to my work, am I mindful of the eternal rope that is attached to each of my coworkers? Even a trip through the grocery store, even a trip in a restaurant. I'm not a people person. Well, how did Jesus interact with those people? Because everywhere Jesus went, he recognized there was more than just that little bit he was seeing. There was an eternal rope attached to each and every person that he encountered. Jesus says every day, every day, this is what it means to take hold of eternal life. Can we stand together this morning? If you guys would just hold that up. Lord, we pray that you would burn this image into our minds. Father, that we would see and recognize that each and every person that we encounter is not just what we are seeing, but they are going to live for all of eternity. That the people that we encounter are eternal beings. And Jesus, to take hold of eternity as you lead us to take hold of eternity means, God, that we recognize this in the people around us and we walk it out. That we recognize it even in the people sitting next to us here in this place. And we connect to them. We don't allow anyone to be isolated or feel devalued. But God, we recognize that they are eternal beings. And Lord, we choose them. It's not all about me, Jesus. It's not all about me. Help me, God, to see and to walk it out. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.